The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. And thank you so much you know, for inviting me to speak here today. And I'm originally from Austria, so I have a bit of an accent. I hope you can uh, get used to it soon. I wanted to speak about, today I wanted to speak about um, overwhelm, you know, because we are getting so much information every day, including what I just was informing you about, about the state of the environment, that, you know, people have, we have a tendency, including myself, you know, to just kind of turn, turn away from from the amount of information we receive every day. I have heard recently, you know, that the amount of information we receive in a week equals the amount of information people ha- 200 years ago have received in, in a lifetime. So I, I'm sure you know what I'm speaking about, you know, the emails and the computer, the iPods and iPads and advertisements and... There's just so much information coming towards us. It is very difficult, you know, to keep an open heart and an open mind because we have to make boundaries because otherwise it's just going to become unmanageable. We we just can't deal with it. And the mind tends to either, you know, shut down or go into confusion, basically, not being able to attend to anything. So it's very important, you know, to get to know yourself and to bite off what you can chew, so to say, that you don't take in more than what you can digest. And, for example, this video, which will be shown today after my talk, it's, it's a very inconvenient truth, you know. To really keep one's heart and one's mind open to this information is, is not easy. But if we do have a practice, then, you know, that's, that's a very good beginning, you know, to get to know yourself, how you, you how your mind and heart, you know, is, is habitually dealing with unpleasant information, you know, information which can be quite scary, really. And the first thing to do is, is to really stop and, and just kind of turn inside and, and see, you know, how the body and the mind is um, habitually going into different patterns of, uh, you know, protecting the status quo and, and to really make friends with that and, and not uh, put a version on top of it because this is very natural and it has a a necessary function because we need, you know, to uh, protect ourselves from overwhelm. But then, you know, if we are just getting stuck with our old patterns and just repeat them again and again, that's, that's also not the right response. So we need to find a balance by, you know, really recognizing where we are, but at the same time, you know, holding the bigger picture. And I think meditation is the perfect uh, tool for that. 
you know, choose to meet ourselves where we are in the present moment, but to keep it in perspective, to keep it in balance. And, you know, as soon as, as this sense of struggle can arises in the body and in the mind, and I'm sure you know what I mean, you know, when we kind of feel a tightening or, you know, getting carried away by, by thinking about the past and about the future. If you just feel, you know, that this is kind of starting to arise, the best way is to just really stop and, and turn towards it rather than habitually turning away from it into distraction. And, you know, this is a, a lifelong practice. And, you know, if we keep on going with it and if we find, you know, the, a support, like, for example, you coming here to this group on a Sunday morning, which is a very, you know, wonderful thing to do, to give up, you know, a day where you could maybe, you know, many people probably are still lying in bed or doing, you know, things which are maybe much more exciting than coming here, you know, in this uh, kind of very plain environment. You know, and I'm hearing uh, people speak about um, turning towards unpleasant information. So that's, and it's a very good step, you know, to find the support of a group where there's people like-minded people who all you know, have already recognized that there is uh, work to be done. That if we don't attain to our minds that we will perpetually you know, repeat the past again and again. So we really have to stop and turn towards what's happening right now and then meet it where we are, wherever we are with it and find, you know, like-minded people where we can get some um, inspiration and some encouragement. Because we can see, you know, we are not alone with this. There's many, many people who are all in the same boat. There's only two kinds of people, the ones who know that there is some work to be done and the ones who don't know yet. But at one point in time, you know, everybody is going to wake up to that truth. And, you know, we can, the, the struggle in the present moment, we can use that very struggle for, you know, learning. It's like, you know, the, um, the burning of the struggle at the same time, you know, shines a light because everything which burns makes a light. And this very burning, you know, of, of the tension of, of being with what is can illuminate the path for us. So it's, it's not like anything is going wrong. It's a very natural process. And, you know, to use whatever is happening, to use it to shine a light on the ways of the body and, and the mind and to get to know them in, intimately. And that, you know, that very understanding lightens up our lives in the sense that we see much more clearly and through this 
you know, seeing clearly, we also we put down some unnecessary luggage we, we carry around. So it's a lightening up in two ways, seeing more clearly and also becoming lighter, you know, having more buoyancy and having more resilience to be able to, to kind of, you know, move with life, with whatever is happening. And, you know, a, a regular practice is, is such a wonderful opportunity for, for cultivating this uh, lightening up. And, you know, if you, if you drive a car and you get, you get stuck in the mud, if you just, you know, drive it forcefully to extract yourself, you know, by just pressing on the accelerator, you're just going to go deeper and deeper into it. What's really needed is to kind of stop and, and you know, have some skillful support in order to, to come out of that. Because if we force ourselves, that really doesn't help. So it's, we really have to get to know ourselves and, and see, you know, what do we need in order to be, to be able to stay open. And everybody you know, needs slightly different uh, support. And, but you, you only find out if you, if you have enough um, resilience to, to look what, what, it is, what it is you need. And then... Trusting, you know, that if you really connect with, with that, that you will find the right support to know the next step and the next step and the next step. And for example, you know, looking at this uh, video today at the end of the talk, if you are interested to see that, this is such a, such a kind of very powerful uh, How should I say? Like a powerful five-minute um, presentation of you know where we are as a as the human species on on this planet right now, and there are still people you know who don't believe that this is really happening. But I think these people they get less and less. More and more people can really you know resonate that the situation is very urgent for people to have the courage to to stop and look. And not, you know, that we have to immediately now kind of do something about it, but for, because we might know what is the right thing to do, and that's totally okay. But if we never stop looking because we're afraid we don't know what to do, then we're never going to know what to do. So at one point we just have to start, you know. And you know, to be able to, to turn towards experience for healing and integration to occur. We, we need inner strength. And that inner strength can only come from, you know, getting to know ourselves inwardly very well. You know, how we reacting to what's happening around us. 
And I think to do that together, you know, in a group is much easier than to just do it by oneself because we can see, you know, that we all are in the same boat with this. And it's not only the, you know, not only human beings. There's also like the animals, animal friends and uh, plants and uh, minerals, everything. We are all in the same boat because we all, you know, are completely interconnected. And we can't really say, you know, where one of us starts and where the other one ends. I mean, our sense organs give us an impression that we are separate entities, you know, walking around in the world. But in reality, you know, we are totally interconnected. And we need, we need each other in order to sustain our lives. And, and through meditation, we, we can uh, get an intuitive understanding of this truth. Because meditation, you know, it starts with some intellectual instructions. But then, you know, we have through experience, we have to bring it down into the heart to really kind of digest it and um, integrate it so that it becomes part of, our, of the way how we function. And that's what wisdom is all about. You know, and, and the Buddha's uh, understanding of wisdom is that's not like a body of knowledge, you know, depending on how many books you have read or how many suttas you know by heart or, you know, on which page number and which book. That's, that's a good starting point. But then you have to find that information, how it plays out in your own experience. That's what wisdom is really all about. And, you know, the most often uh, apparent, you know, entrance into the Dharma is, is the truth of impermanence. And I'm sure you've heard about that before many times. But to really know it f- deeply for oneself, to really know that completely is is one way, you know, how we could express what enlightenment is all about. To really fully know that everything which is arising is ceasing is, is one way how we can describe what, imperm- uh, what enlightenment is all about. So don't, you know, don't take that too lightly if somebody says, you know, one of the central truths of Buddhism is impermanence. Oh, I've heard that many times. What's the next thing? So, you know, to fully understand that is, is enough, basically, if we can really go very deep with it. So, it's, it's called uh, one of the uh, three characteristics of, um, of life. It's the first one, impermanence, so it's also a Pali language called anicca. And, you know, and this, this uh, truth of impermanence is not only you know, to be, to be applied on, on everything outside of ourselves, but also inside of ourselves, our feelings, thoughts, perceptions, everything, you know, which, which is arising within this body and mind and which sometimes, you know, is very difficult to stay steady with because it doesn't feel nice. 
And we, we tend to get carried away by just, you know, turning towards distraction, not being able to, to stay with it. And the word aversion, it comes from the Latin word verto, which means to turn away. And I'm sure if you pay attention, you can see the whole energetic system of the body. If something comes in, so we don't want to know, or a person comes, we, you know, we don't want to deal with. We can really feel that the whole system is just kind of turning, wanting to you know, deal with something else, something more nice, something more easy to be with. And there's nothing wrong with that, but it's good to know it so that we can develop you know, a choice what we want to do with our lives. And, you know, and through getting to know these different patterns, how, how we are built, to getting to really deeply getting to know that, we, that is a way of how we can express what it means, you know, to become mature, to grow up, and to, you know, to, to grow out the toys of... of um, distraction, one after the other, slowly but surely. Like a, like a little child, you know, which maybe like when they grow up, at one point they are not interested in certain toys anymore, not because those toys are not are bad or anything, but because they just have lost interest, because they've seen a bit further. And there is no more value for them in, in, this, uh, in the old distractions. And I think this is, we you know what the Buddha in his teaching what's called re- a true renunciation. A renunciation which comes not from forcing ourselves but which comes from wisdom because we have uh, seen deep enough and you know certain um, fascination with certain things just uh, drops away naturally. Sometimes it's also called like disenchantment. And then, you know, we have more space in our lives to attend to things which really matter rather than distracting ourselves. And, you know, there is, according to the teaching, there are three levels of this um, true renunciation which comes from you know really understanding what matters and and feeling really uh, an urge to give up that which doesn't really matter enough so that we have more you know more space for making the right choices. And, and the first level of, of that uh, true renunciation is, um, you know, to, to become interested to live according to the, what's called in the Buddha's teaching, the five precepts. And you know, they're just like basic guidelines for sane living. They are all based on, you know, not harming oneself or harming others. And, you know, and to really understand that this is not only, you know, like 
we are not only doing that in order not to harm other people, but it's also actually how we protect ourselves from harm and from remorse, you know, and from feeling uh, feeling heavy about the way how we how we live. So that's we can call that ethics, and in a Pali language, is called sila, and. They are you know, considered, those five precepts, they are considered a basis for meditation to be able to, to develop well. Because the, uh, a mind you know, which is uh, protected by the five precepts is, is a mind which can find peace in the meditation. And then the second level would be you know, to start to determine and, and find out, you know, where we do leak out a lot of energy in terms of, you know, wasting it by doing all kinds of things which we don't really need to do. And where we, you know, distract ourselves with endless watching TV or different things, you know, being at, uh, being, um, and addicted to certain ways of um, of not being fully here with what's happening, and I'm sure you know all of us have have several of those uh, toys in our lives. I have it too, and and sometimes you know I allow myself to just uh, let it go on for some time, but sometimes I, I don't. I don't allow myself, and that depends on just what's needed in the present moment to just find find uh, the right balance. And and the last level, you know, after you know, living a life of harmlessness and trying, you know, to not leak out too much of our precious energy by you know, kind of making decisions how much we really want to distract ourselves. And then the third level would be, you know, to recognize how we identify with whatever is happening, how we identify with our thoughts about it, how we get constantly... drawn into identification with you know with past ways of experiencing things which we are projecting onto the present moment and just you know develop that awareness that mindfulness which which kind of takes that as a wake up call to say you know, we are not really sure of if this is going to be this way or that way and to keep keep the mind open. You know, keep the mind open in the sense so something new can come into our lives. Something which which can help us to find more space around our experience. You know, to just 
see uh, see a possibility to to react in a different way. And and basically, you know, not turning away from what's what it, what we experience in the present moment, and trusting that if we stay with that not knowing, you know, instead of re you know re um, reenacting the past, to just have that uh, the courage to to just stay open to not know what's going to happen next, and allowing you know something new to come through from the depths of our being. Because in the depths of our being, we are connected with, uh, with this very vast web of life. And that has an intelligence which is much far beyond you know, the uh, in intellectual capacities we have as, as, a, as a single you know, little person. To just allow ourselves to tap into this much vaster intelligence, which has always known what to do, you know, since the Big Bang 14 billion years ago. So, you know, we don't have to uh, sort it all out with, our, with, with the thinking mind. We need to use the thinking mind, but it's not the only way which we can access in order to respond, you know, to what is happening. We need to balance that out with something much bigger. And for that, you know, we have to be able to stop and we have to be able to make space for this much bigger intelligence, you know, to come through so we can act in ways which are You know, which are up to the task. You know, and, and this this greater intelligence, if you believe yeah, in, in the Big Bang has happened maybe about 14 billion years ago, since then, you know, so much has happened. And um, nobody you know, has been directing all of this. But... To, to really recognize, you know, that we are part of this huge unfolding. And we can, you know, we can get lost in habitual ways of thinking that we are just like, you know, little separate entities walking around in a hostile universe and we have to just protect everything. Otherwise, we're going to... Um, run into one problem after the other. Or we can just recognize that we are part of this huge unfolding of this vast web of life which has you know developed from a mass of um, lava or whatever into into uh, iPods and um, Mozart sonatas and uh, many other amazing uh, things you know most beautiful fish and, and most amazing uh, giraffes or all of those amazing animals on the, which are sharing this planet with us. 
and that the situation we are in now, that this is actually just another huge uh, challenge which, you know, which we can use for a new flowering. And we can all be, you know, we all can all be part of this flowering. And in order to be able, you know, to uh, know how to embody it, we we have to make space for for this information to come through, and and that means you know, we have to recognize that we we repeat the past again and again in a habitual way. And the meditation is the perfect um, technology to help us, you know, to see what's happening and not in a way, you know, to put ourselves down or, or force ourselves to be different, nothing of that, to just see what we, are, what we are doing. Because once you see it clear enough, it just starts to unravel. The, 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 the problem is that we don't see, see it clear enough yet. And, and therefore, we need, we need, we need teachings and, and we need you know, support and we need to come together and do this together and, and encourage each other that it can be done because there have been many going this path before us, so everybody can do it. The Buddha also was just, a, he was a human being who had a lot of courage and he put in a lot of effort in his practice. But also, you know, all of us, if you want to learn any skill, playing the piano or driving a car or any profession or whatever, you have to put in some time. You have to put in some effort. Otherwise, you're not going to learn it. And meditation is the same thing. You have to put in the time and the effort. It's not going to just come to you if you do it, you know, once a week here. Even that's wonderful, but you have to do it more often than just once a week. And then you just start, you know, with what you can manage. Maybe you can manage 20 minutes. It's, it's a very good way to start with 20 minutes. And recognize that this is really a, a lifetime's practice. And that we are part of this vast uh, web of life. And... We are doing this not just for ourselves. We're doing that for, for the whole. Because we are part of the whole. We are not separate. <coughs> and to just really you know, go into the depths of the experience and really see that appearances are one part of the of human life. You know, of the, the, appear, the appearances of people and houses and cars and, and flowers and all of that, that's one side of the coin. But then there is, on the other side of the coin, this is a vast network. This is a, an amazing, mysterious process. And we have to hold it both in balance. You know, not getting carried away by the appearances. And, for example, if you watch that video afterwards, you could just, could just get carried away into complete uh, despair. Because you think uh, it's all too late, 
you know, there's nothing I can do. I just going to indulge in entertainment and just make the best out of those few years I have I have left and then I die. That's one way how you can but I don't suggest that because that would be really um it would be a waste of you, of this opportunity, you know, of being born as a human being, which is a very great opportunity according to the Buddha. And also you know you you wouldn't have good influence on, on, on the people around you. So so taking this as a as a really as an opportunity for practice and as an opportunity to you know to make make your life as a, as an offering for your own benefit and and for the benefit of the whole because if you approach it from from that angle you know then everything starts to change there's no more obstacles there there's there's only opportunities and i know i mean it sounds a little bit uh you know sometimes it's very difficult to hear this and and really open your heart for the, for that I have that experience myself too, but it is just part of the of the learning. And it, it's basically, you know, it's basically a, a redirecting of of that longing, you know, to arrive somewhere, which we all share. And you know, always wanting to arrive at, at some kind of some place to 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 rest and some place to stand on, you know, somewhere where there's peace. But we we can't arrive there, you know, by by uh, distracting ourselves. We can only arrive there by really turning towards all of those things, you know, which we feel they're interrupting our peace. Because you know what what peace is is really all about. It doesn't mean that everything that the river of life is just stopping and freezing, you know. And you have just there's nothing happening anymore. That's not what peace is all about. But it's it's much more about understanding the bigger picture, you know, and understanding this uh, truth of impermanence, which is just like one of the fundamental laws of of being born in this world and we have to embrace it and we have to open up to it and and let it show us the way how to live in peace And whenever the sense of struggle comes up, it's like, you know, a wake-up call. Whenever there's a sense of struggle, then there's a resistance there. And to just notice that.
and notice it, you know, with with wisdom and compassion, because it is it is very normal, you know, that systems, you know, shy away from unpleasant uh, from ir- from um, from irritation. Even you know the smallest little uh, <coughs> microbes. So, so you can investigate in a in a petri dish. If you, if you poke it, it's going to try to escape. This is just part and parcel of how we are made, but we can know it. And then we can really deeply get to know it. And it's going to transform. And this is, you know, a short... um, way how we can describe what wisdom is all about it's 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 not being afraid of impermanence not being afraid of of forms you know not being afraid of feelings and not being afraid of perceptions And, and training ourselves to not turn away from what life is, is coming up with for us. And, and meditation is the perfect you know, tool to develop that strength. And, you know, I'd like to give an opportunity for questions, maybe for 10, 15 minutes, and like to end with a, a quote by His Holiness the Dalai Lama. And he says, you know, uh, if, if there's a situation in your life where there's nothing you can do about it, he says, no, no reason to worry because there's nothing you can do. <laughs> and if there is something you can do about it, then there's no reason to worry because then just go and do it. So I just found it a very sweet way, you know, of uh, saying what I tried to say in the last 40 minutes. And I myself, I'm also not able to do it all the time. But I think I, I know it to quite some extent, meanwhile. And that's how it starts, you know, to just know where you are at and then uh, take it from there. Do you have a microphone if there's anybody have any questions? Yes. You mentioned the mi- the microbe in the. Oh yeah, you mentioned the mi- the microbe in the um, petri dish responding to stimulus. Mm-hmm. Does that mean that the microbe has a consciousness? Yeah, I would think so. Yeah, a rudimentary consciousness. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for your talk. Um, could you say a little bit more about the difference between 
what we do to distract ourselves and what we would call an interest or fun. Mm-hmm. I think it's the intention, you know, with, with, with what you, which you bring to anything you are doing. I mean, one knows oneself. You know, you can do one and the same thing, and at one point it, it, can, be, it can be an interest or something you, you do together with others for fun, and at another day it can be a distraction. It depends, you know, why you're doing it, I would think. I, I notice it, for example, when, when I'm reading sometimes. You know, sometimes I, I read something out of interest because I want to learn something, I want to understand something better. And another time I read something because I'd like to just escape you know, somewhere in another world for some time, which is okay too, but it's not about you know, that it's, it's, there's no judgment in it, but it's more like just knowing what you're doing. You know? Mm-hmm. So sometimes when I'm that person you described and I'm feeling discouraged because there is so much to do and I'm capable of only doing very little, mm. um, then I have to, uh, uh, I guess I have to choose because I can't do everything. But there, I must confess to feeling that, wondering sometimes the state of the planet and its obvious disintegration, if this is not a manifestation of impermanence, yeah, it is also, sure. But, you know, it's, it has always been uh, impermanent anyway, but it's, it depends you know, in which direction it's going, isn't it? And, and what kind of an in, input we have as, the, as human beings. You know, we can either have a supportive and benevolent input or we can have a, you know, go at it in a, in a way which can be is exploitative and... And um, you know, having an, having the impact it, it does have, you know, by by dominating, you know, the resources of the planet and and using them in a way where there's just a, a small amount of people using a, a lot of resources without consideration, you know, for other forms of life and other people. That's what I mean. Well, I think I understand how I personally Mm -hmm. don't have to contribute to the deterioration of the planet. Mm -hmm. I guess my question is more around how hard do you fight? I think it it, it depends, you know, on what, what, how how far you want to go with it, you know. But definitely, you're never going to fight. I think in a way where you, where you add to the negativity of it, isn't it? But just seeing what you can do in your personal life, and that everybody has to find for themselves. You know, this is what I was saying before. Where I feel the best way is to really go inside yourself and find that space, so that the next step for you will become clear. What is the next step for you? What you can do, and for me, what I can do. And then just, you know, do that. And not expecting that you're going to kind of have it all laid out in, in front of you very clearly, 
you know, but you might just know the next step and the next step, like when you drive in the fog, you know. You just know a few, uh, maybe one or two meters in front of you, you know, and then you do that. And, and then you do the next thing and the next thing. And this can be very difficult because we would always like to know the whole thing and will it end, you know, will the story end happily ever after, then I'm happy to do it. But if I don't know, it's much more difficult. And just to know that too, that's part of being a human being. We, we want everything to be wonderful, you know. I mean, I want that too. But then, you know, knowing what you want and knowing you can't know and then just letting it go. Yeah. This is what I mean, you know, to, to meet the situation with healing and transformation you need that inner strength for it. You know, it's not going to be served to you on a platter, the whole thing. And then you know exactly what to do and you have the guaranteed outcome. That's not part and parcel of the human experience. It never has been, you know. Only the challenge which we are facing now hasn't happened, you know, before as far as we know hasn't happened for a very long time. But it's a great opportunity for applying, you know, what, what we have learned from the Buddha. And even, you know, now this gives a much bigger incentive than it ever was. Because now we really don't know on a very big scale. So it, it, it forces us almost, you know, into uh, cultivating that strength. There's many people, you know, who think it is, it is actually a very golden opportunity, you know, for consciousness to, to make a leap which it wouldn't do under circumstances if they wouldn't be so pressing. So maybe then I, I ring the bell and you can set it up for the video. <laughs>